Welcome to Learning to Talk, everybody. My name's Matt. I'm here with my friends Zach and Cam. And uh, this is our second recording session of this podcast empire that we're building. Empire. New set. New set. Love it. It's going to change every week. (laughs) Now, I... So... Last week we recorded, uh, if you watched it on YouTube, then you saw our setup was like couches and very open. This week, if you're seeing it, we're, we're at a table. So our There's lower no food though. It's a bummer. There's my Red Bull. Yeah. Uh, but our lower halves are hidden and I, I purposefully wore my new sneakers today, hoping to get them on camera because <laughs> I'm really stoked about them. But Uh, I showed up and Cam had this table set up and I didn't want to say anything earlier because I just don't want you guys to know how sad and like sad I am about that. (laughs) That's actually funny because he he walked in and he was like, do I need to take my shoes off? I was like, I mean, if you want. And he's like, I'm going to keep them on. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. I, I have a problem. A sneaker problem. Yes. I love, I love sneakers. I cannot afford the sneakers I want. <laughs> and even the ones I do get, which I buy sneakers maybe twice a year, my wife gives me so much crap mm. when I tell her I bought new ones or a pair shows up on our doorstep. And again, <laughs> twice a year. And I'm sitting there like, I'm holding back. I'm not buying the thing I want to buy. I'm doing us a financial <laughs> favor by not purchasing everything I want. And then when I buy the thing, I like this, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to pull the trigger. They show up and my wife gives me crap for it. So I'm kind of caught in the middle on this sneaker thing. Well, how many like pairs of sneakers do you have that you wear consistently? I, I have, I have a pair. Okay. <laughs> I have a pair for running. And when I work out, which I work out all the time, <laughs> <laughs> I have a pair for mowing the lawn, which is just an old pair that I've had. Yeah. I have my everyday pair that I wear no matter what, typically. Mm-hmm. I have another pair that I wear for crappy weather because I don't want to mess up my everyday pair. I have my new ones, which will become my new everyday pair when my old everyday pair wears out. I have two pairs that I wear in rotation when I preach. <laughs> and then I have two pairs of Sambas, a black pair of Adidas Sambas and a white pair that I bought a few years ago that I never <laughs> wear because they don't fit right. And I've gotten really into the like soft top shoe thing, like the more knit sort of slippery feel. And when I wear a, a like a harder leather shoe, it hurts my feet now. <laughs> <laughs> so you how many pairs is that? That's nine. I have nine pairs of sneakers, that you not wear to mention the boots that I wear that's and uh, the dress shoes that I have, which I have two pairs. Uh, anyway, that's a lot. And now that I'm saying it, Taylor's I, probably right. She, <laughs> she's, she is right, but I'm still going to, I'm going to die on this hill. That's okay. Yeah. I bought uh, two pair of the same shoes last time because I liked them and they were inexpensive at Costco. And so I have one pair that is a little, I wear when I know I'm going to be like in the kitchen at work or it's raining and muddy. And I have another pair for when it's nice outside and I know I'm not going to get like grease on them, but it's the same shoe. They're the same exact shoes. Oh, so I have, I have three pairs of the same shoe. They're just different colors and I rotate them. Yeah, no, these aren't even different colors. They're exactly the same. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You guys got to get on my level. All right. Yeah. <laughs> or do I need to get on yours? I was just wondering. <laughs> I feel like you have a better system. <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's they okay. say Einstein had like seven of the same outfit in his closet. So every day he didn't have to waste his time thinking about what he was going to wear because it was the same thing. Um, the Facebook guy. What's his name? Mark some? Zuckerberg. Zach? Zach? Mark? What's Mark, his name? Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg. Mark. Okay. <laughs> We should yeah. probably bleep out his name just in case we get sued. <laughs> no, he he does the same thing. He has yeah. the same he has the same colored shirt, shoes, blah blah blah. Because he's like doesn't he like every minute he wastes is like a hundred grand or something like that. So it's like yeah, he doesn't want to take the time to decide what to wear. Well, of the minutes we just wasted talking about that, how much money did we lose? Do you think <laughs> probably <everybody>? none? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're we're here. Um, this this session of learning to talk. Uh, our next few conversations are going to focus on 
uh, the three of us and uh, myself, Zach and Cam. So the next three episodes will be more specifically about one of us answering the question, why am I in ministry? What got me here? Why do I do this thing? Um, uh, the call, the vocation of it all and the passion for it. So we're, we're each going to kind of tell that story and answer that question each episode. And then the other guys are going to sort of react to that. And we're going to kind of process each other's stories uh, together in real time and uh, dig a little deeper into these stories that I know for myself, I've told the story so many times to people. It just, it seems like a, a story I memorized. It's uh, I don't feel like it's every time I tell it that it's really my life but it is. So this gives a chance, I know for me at least, and hopefully for you guys too, uh, to think more intentionally about it and to process it. And hopefully for you guys watching or listening to, uh, I don't know, to glean something. Just to get to know us even. Get to know us. I'm excited to hear what you have yeah. to say about why you're doing this. Uh, so so this is the next three <clears throat> the next three episodes. We're going to record them all today just for transparency. At least we're going to try to. I have to be, I have a cut off time i gotta be out of here i looked at my wrist like i had a watch on i <laughs> we got time i don't have a watch on well, i, I did try me. wearing a watch for a while uh an apple watch mm-hmm. but i stopped it was giving me a lot of anxiety anyway we can talk about that we will let me my 32 um so uh these guys voted i should say we voted but really they voted for me to tell my story first and to uh, answer that question, why am I in ministry uh, first? So I'm going to go first and tell this story. So just want to, you, you want to ask me the question? Do you need help starting this? Just ask uh, Matt, why are you in ministry? Yeah, yeah I got to okay. hear you say it. I'm like Beetlejuice. I can't say it myself. You got to say it. It's like, Oh wow. I for, wow, I haven't seen Beetlejuice in a long time. Uh, <laughs> okay. okay. Matthew, does anybody call you Matthew? Uh, no. Okay. Not Matt. even your mom. No, she always calls me like, Oh sweetie. Okay. okay. Uh, why are you in ministry? <laughs> Tell me. Tell me all about it. Why am I in ministry? Um, I'm in ministry because I, I don't think I can't not be in ministry. Um, let me tell you the story <laughs> of how I got in. Like, I'm going to talk about it in terms of call. Hearing, hearing God say to me, Matt, you do this, and then. Um, some of the journey along the way. And then I think I'll touch on a little bit of why, why today am I still in ministry? You know? So that's at least my idea. Who knows what's going to come out of my mouth right now? The, there's so much context to, to the story. So I'm going to try to do this. Um, when I was my freshman year of college, uh, I grew up in the church kind of like starting in middle school, I grew up in a Catholic church. The middle school started going to an evangelical church with my friend for youth group. And over time, got more involved in middle and high school. I uh, was doing everything. Youth group superstar kind of kid. There's a group of us that were all really involved together. Freshman year of college came, and I think I went through the typical thing that a lot of people who were like me went through when they went to college, is that just stop caring. It wasn't that I lost faith or was like, oh, I'm in college and now my worldview is expanded or anything like that. I just kind of became apathetic to uh, my faith and the church experience. And uh, I went through a pretty severe depression that year. I was dating this girl that would, did not go well. And um, I, w- I was going to school about an hour from where I grew up, about an hour from the church that I grew up in. And uh, at the end of my freshman year, I had failed one class, didn't do well in all my other classes, and the scholarship I had earned was revoked. So, okay, I can't go to the school anymore because I can't afford it. It was a private school. So I transferred to the state school in my hometown. And as I came home, I started getting back in the orbit with some friends. One of my best friends was um, that summer became one of the youth interns at the church. He was working with the middle school kind of as a summer intern. My home church did a lot of uh, training and internship stuff. So he, he did that. And our old youth pastor, Craig, he was working with him. And uh, I came home. I had, I had started that fall semester in the, in my new school, living at home with my parents, got a job at Starbucks down the road. I was just like kind of listless and figuring things out. 
what do I want to do? Who do I want to be? Feel still feeling this depression and dipping my toe back into some old friend groups and stuff. And um, I got a call one day. This was probably mid to late fall of that semester from Craig, the youth, our old youth pastor. And I'm going to tell you the exact, he left a voicemail. The exact words of his message were this. He said, Baumgartner, it's Craig. Why don't you get off your ass and come help me with these kids? <laughs> and that was it. So I, I was like, okay, Craig. And I, I called him and <clears throat> he was like, yeah, just come. I'd love you to, I want to see you back around. I miss you. He's like, come, we'd love to have you just be around the youth ministry and sort of volunteer and stuff. So through, through that being asked to come and serve, I, I was back engaging with the church. Um, I was serving, which is not something I had done before at that level. Cause I was a student when I, my whole involvement until that point. And now I'm like an adult kind of serving in the church. You know, it's not, not a student anymore. I'm an adult. So it's just a different thing, but still feeling through all that time, this like listlessness and lack of purpose and passion and stuff. I'm, I'm doing the thing in the church. I'm going to school part-time trying to figure out my life and what I want to do. I'm involved with my old friends who most of them who are a part of our church had walked away. And so I was kind of like against the grain with that with them, but still going with the grain in many ways with them. And uh, so I, I was just like in this weird zone of like, I wanted this. I didn't quite know how to dive into that church life like I had before. And I didn't have the same encouraging community of friends that were all involved at the same time. Okay. So this went on for a year plus, kind of living this way. And uh, over time, I, as I was figuring that out, I was getting even more involved in churching. I was playing music with the worship team. We had a Sunday night service that was very pretty vibrant and, and important for a lot of young adults and college students. So I got very involved there and spending more time with our, with Craig and, and some other people. So I was seeing this progression and then come our spring youth retreat. We did two retreats every year, one in the fall, one in the late winter, early spring. I went as a volunteer and, uh, we were, I remember very vividly, we were in, um, in this camp in Western Massachusetts in the Berkshires and we were in this chapel it was our morning worship session and I'm kind of standing in the back and there's maybe 50 <laughs> students there and they're all singing and worshiping and I'm sitting in the back and I'm next to a couple people. And as we're worshiping, I'm just kind of taking it in. And then all of a sudden I, I literally felt like a wave hit me and I had to sit down. And in that moment, I didn't hear an audible voice, but I, I felt something very deep in my soul that said, Matt, I want you to do this. So I'd spent the year and a half serving, getting more and more involved as time went on in this ministry and plugging into the church in other ways beyond just serving, but for discipleship and, and small group and this, you know, all that kind of stuff. And this moment came in this time in my life where I was, the thing I wanted to do was kind of taken away from me. I didn't feel a passion for that. And I went through this year long who am I? And that's where God met me in the back of that little camp chapel saying, Matt, come do this. So after that, I was like, what do I do? So I told Craig, or I told my, my friend, the one who had told Craig to give me a call. And, you know, I mentioned that a minute ago. He was like, yeah, let's, let's talk to Craig. He's a pastor. So I told him and Craig's like, yes, Matt, I think, I think this is real for you. So we prayed together. We got back home told a couple of the other pastors on our staff there, a couple of the elders prayed for me affirmation all around. Like, yes, Matt, we believe that this is the Lord calling you. Like we know you, we've seen, we've seen where you've come and we think, we think this could be real. And from that moment, I, um, they asked me to, to come on staff part time to, uh, work doing youth ministry and stuff while, I would work for the next few months to get my grades to a point of where I could transfer schools to go to a, 
this Christian college and study biblical studies and like get trained in that way, sort of in an academic way. When, when you had that moment in the back of the chapel where you in inwardly heard the Lord say, I want you to do this. What what's the first thing that you define this as? Like, did you have a context for what this was or does that make sense? Yeah. So the initial, <clears throat> the initial thing of what this is was youth ministry. Okay. Like I want you to be a youth pastor was sort of how that moment felt to me. Cause okay. that's what I knew. And that's what I was doing was youth ministry. That's where the most of my time serving was to that point. Right. And that hit. And I was, a couple of things went through my head. Then one was like, confusion like is this is this real but it was so profound and like i say it felt like a wave hit me that's what it felt like i i was literally knocked onto my butt just from like this moment of overwhelming like realization and emotion about it you know i didn't feel like a physical knock but it was like this emotional hit and my eyes were open i was like oh so the first thing I thought was, okay, youth ministry. I felt confusion, like, really? I felt joy, like, yes, I would love to do this. And then I felt very quickly <laughs> unqualified and unworthy. Uh, you know, just because I, I knew what my life had looked like that past year and a half. And while I was on a progression towards, like, a, a more rounded sense of of like discipleship and, and dare I say a word like holiness, I still knew that I had so many things tugging me in other directions. I didn't know how I was going to navigate like writing my ship to do that. You mentioned that you quickly, what, what seemed like you quickly ended up on staff. Yeah. What was that experience like? Yeah, it was uh, it was great because we in those first like circle of people I told my friend or pastor the the thought was we have to make sure this is real so let's bring in God's people like more people to affirm or confirm what you heard because if you just go on every whim you feel like you could get very lost at sea hmm. so. It was a couple weeks of like having some meetings and conversations and I had another pastor on staff I was really close with and uh, we talked and prayed and again it was yeah Matt I think I think this is real and some of the elders so it was it was very it was really great to hear the affirmation I didn't hear any no's so like I I felt really good about myself in that and felt really good about what was about to happen Um, I also had Craig who was a great advocate for me because he made that happen. Like it wasn't like there was a staff position to fill. Oh, Matt feels called to ministry. Let's plug him in there. It was Matt feels called to ministry. Let's make sure we do this right and train him and teach him and utilize him and help him grow with this goal in mind. So that, that situation was sort of created so that it could, so that I could get my feet wet. Yeah, that's cool. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like so, so grateful for that time and for that experience. And I was 19. Yeah. You know, so it, it wasn't like I was some wise, mistake free, having learned everything. You know, I was trusted. And give an opportunity by people to like teach and lead and guide these young these young people. There was some hand holding, but it wasn't I wasn't being micromanaged or anything like that. So uh that's sort of the moment of call. Mm-hmm. Um any do you guys have any more thoughts or questions about that before I move on? I do. Yeah, go for it. Um, well, how long did you do youth ministry for? Oh, yeah, great question. 
So I, um, I think it was about nine, seven to nine months that I was on staff part-time there. Craig, the youth pastor, was going to make a transition to another role. So I sort of started part-time, then became full-time in this internship for a while to, to keep the ministry floating while they searched for a new youth pastor to bring in. I was going to go to this Christian school in New England to, like I said, study actually went to study originally youth ministry as my major. And um, so it's hard to say exactly, but I, there was nine months, then I went to school. And then for the next two summers, I did internship, summer internships with my home church. One summer doing youth ministry again, another summer doing college ministry and, and working, doing some other things. I got to preach a couple times at that Sunday night service I mentioned and stuff like that. Um, so uh, I had that couple years of sort of in and out youth ministry. Although during my undergrad, you know, I, I said I went in originally to do youth ministry as my major. I wound up switching to biblical and theological studies. I just became more interested with with uh, learning how to really uh, study scripture rather than sort of taking these practical ministry classes. And then as time progressed, I thought, oh, maybe I won't be a youth pastor. Maybe I'll do something else. Uh, I wound up after I finished after I finished my undergrad, I did a year long we'll call it an internship again with the same church back home. They said, Hey, come back. And that was more on a pastoral level. I got to do a lot of different stuff. I won't go into all those details now, but I wasn't really doing youth ministry. I led a youth small group during that time, but I didn't do much more than that with youth ministry. Following that, I went and got my master's in divinity. Uh, which was a three-year program. Um, so, sorry, keep up with the timeline. So I went to seminary. Following seminary, did this job search that I had originally thought, I'm not going to be a youth pastor. I am not going to look at youth pastor positions. And as time went on looking for ministry positions, I said, I'm never going to get a ministry position if I don't open myself up to doing youth ministry because it seems like every pastoral job or opening I hate to talk about pastoring like a job but I'm going to every pastoral opening that was not for youth ministry and many that were for youth ministry were like we need five years of experience leading at this level and doing this and that you know so it's like okay I'm never gonna I had a lot of interviews and I heard a lot of no's some of them very heartbreaking um, during that time I feel like it'd be very easy during that to question what you're called to do. Yes. Yes. So what does that look like? What did that look like for you? <clears throat> were, were you did you ever find yourself being like, hey God, am I not doing the right thing at all anymore? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. A lot. I was, um, during seminary, in my program, for the degree I did, you had to do a, they called it mentored ministry. So you're not just in the classroom, but they want you to be involved actively in a in a local church ministry while you're at school so you don't lose sight of like why you're doing this because if you just sit in the classroom all the time you could be the smart you could translate every hebrew and greek word you know all that but what good does that do you if you can't get it if you can't like don't know how to interact with people so i um i did that with a church a large church outside of boston um doing adult discipleship ministry taught some classes did some stuff and then following my school they kept me on part-time as they were launching multi-campus stuff and they wanted me to help with the new campus to get like the kids ministry up and running so i i was a part-time doing that while at the same time doing this job search for a full-time thing and i was a new dad so there was a lot of stuff in that soup learning how to be a dad and uh you know zach you know like especially with your first one in those first months when they are so helpless and you can't like reason with them and they're just crying (laughs) like it's very hard Mm. and very emotionally taxing and i i found out i have a lot of control issues in that time (laughs) and a lot of anxiety and um so that was all at play as well but i remember a couple really heartbreaking uh, like interview end to interview processes. There was a church out 
side of Chicago that brought me in and they like flew me out for a weekend. And then they called me a week after I got back and said, uh, basically Matt, we were never going to hire you. We just wanted to like get to know you. Yeah. (laughs) Like that (laughs) happened. So, and that was really hard. Yeah. Cause I, I was not only feeling rejected, but I was like, you, I was feeling like you wasted my time. Yeah. You didn't have to bring me out. You're like, yeah, your resume wasn't quite what we were looking for. I was like, you saw my resume way, but so anyway, I'm not, gonna. <laughs> but that was really, that was really difficult. Um, and that was in, in the time before my son was born. Like he was, my wife was eight or nine months pregnant. And so I still, I had that thing to look forward to like, Oh, I'm going to be a dad. So it, the heartache went away fairly quickly. Cause there was this new exciting thing coming, but it's still, it was like really hard to reconcile why I went through that with such a, like a disappointing end that seemed like it was never going to come to be from the outset. Like, um, I had another really hard, and this one really hurt. There was a local church to where we were living at the time. And a lot of people from both my undergrad and grad school, cause they were very close to each other, went to this church. So a lot of professors, a lot of, uh, alumni, uh, and it was a church that had a great reputation and was very, a lot more traditional and the preaching was like excellent and all this. And they were looking for a youth pastor. So I applied for that position and they brought me in within a week. I was in front of their search committee having an interview. And then within a week I was in front of their middle schoolers. And then another few weeks I was with their high schoolers. And in that time also, I met with their lead pastor. We had dinner. We had an amazing time. Now, he wasn't he wasn't part of the search committee, but he said after dinner, he's like, I'm going to recommend to our search committee that we move forward with you. And I mean, we just, we had such a wonderful time, but he was going on sabbatical. So within a couple of days after we had our meal together, he, he had left for a few months and was front of their middle school, high school search, you know, and had multiple interviews and was receiving a lot of communication from them. And then all of a sudden the communication stopped and I was left in limbo for a while. And after maybe three, four weeks, I sent an email to the head of the search committee and was like, Hey, what's the deal? I haven't heard from you guys just following up. And I received an email back that said, sorry, Matt, we're going to take this in another direction. Uh And that was really difficult because I had been given the impression not only by the lead pastor, but by other people like this is going to be for you. And then it ended very, very abruptly and, you know, not the result I was hoping for. Right. And go on. No, no, you go. How how did you navigate? Cause you said that, the initial, that moment at 19, when you felt the initial call to do this was interpreted as youth ministry and through the process of five years of school, you came out on the other side, initially not looking at youth pastor positions. So what was that? How did that transition happen? Like yeah. with in your own heart, mind with the Lord, like how to explain that. Yeah. So that I think was mostly about my own interest because I went into when I left to go to my start, my undergrad at my new school that I transferred to all I had really known was youth ministry. But as I was now learning about scripture and how to study it and hermeneutics and, and, uh, exegesis and starting to learn the languages, my interest really turned towards that and not so much towards like youth ministry. So I just like in my own heart had a, had a, had a transition of what I was interested in. And then I started to think like, Oh, I I thought God said to me, I want you to do this, be a youth pastor, but maybe it was more general, like just be in ministry and, and whatever form that took and, and maybe using youth ministry as that, as that point of interest or point of entry into, to ministry in general. Um, let me go back to my story about oh, the yeah, church sure. that rejected me. 
uh, one of the churches that rejected me. So that was heartbreaking. And um, I remember in the days following that, uh, we lived in a downtown area. My wife and I and our newborn walking around, we used to walk almost every day for a couple miles. And I remember thinking like, I'm going to go get my degree in education and become a teacher like this. I was so frustrated and I was so heartbroken and I couldn't reconcile the fact that God put me on this path only to get to this point. I was feeling really hurt and really lonely and like questioning, was any of this real? Like, was that, was that moment real? Was the affirmation real? And then starting to run through my mind was things like, well, maybe God, maybe God just used that as the path to get me to here. And now what, what I really need to do is be a teacher or an educator or something else. So I, and I, I think everything, I was so confused and so hurt at the time. I couldn't, I couldn't make out left and right or heads and tail. Like it was really hard. And what made it harder was within a couple months, I'd found out someone I knew got that job and someone I knew that I thought I would have been better than that person would have been like that person got that job. So that added another level on top of it. I should say this too, that, that situation was such a mess. Apparently I was during my graduate school and afterwards I I was back working at Starbucks again, part-time because, uh, you know, I need to make money (laughs) my wife was working, but you know, we didn't make it. So I was working at Starbucks. The lead pastor who had gone on sabbatical came to find me and was like, Matt, I, we, you and I need to have a conversation because I, we need to apologize to you for how this went. And I, part of me wanted to be like, F you, dude. (laughs) And then part of me was like, no, that's the wrong thing to do, you know? And so we, me, him, and this other guy who was part of the search committee met, who I think was, it seemed like there was some division among their church and elders and stuff as this was all happening. And the lead pastor was away and there was confused. So it just seemed like a whole mess that unfortunately, uh, you know, messed me up for a while as it happened. So that rejection, that rejection was really hard. And, uh, I think, I think I'm over it. (laughs) That was, (laughs) that was like seven years ago. What year is it? 2021. Yeah. That was seven years ago. And, uh, but I still think about it sometimes. Like I'm thinking about it now. It's the first time I've thought about it in a long time where I'm like, wow, wow, that happened. Like they had to apologize to me for how it went down, you know, like, which is crazy. So I feel like what, here's what I'm gathering from this, everything you're saying. Yeah. is like so far and we haven't gotten to where you are today. No, we haven't. Right. But like this all sounds like a battle of discernment that you like how, how, and I guess this leads us into what happens next, right? It's like, how do you discern what you're called to do yeah. when you're just getting doors shut in your face? Is that also what's your, I mean, what I really want to know is like, what is your relationship with God look like through this process? Yeah. Are you like, what are you doing to me? I'm getting over, I'm like over this. Yeah. Or are you like, like I'm totally willing to do whatever you like. What does that look like? Okay. Let's uh, let me ask answer that second one first. Relationship with God through this process. If I did not have my wife by my side, I would not be in ministry now. Hmm. I was so down and so hurt. She was the one who brought the perspective. You know, mm-hmm. she that conversation we had. We're walking and with our kid and saying, "Hey, I should become a teacher." She said to me, "Like, no." You're not going to do that. Well, why not? Because God's called you to ministry. Okay. But I'm really hurt. Okay. Keep praying. Okay. Thanks, wife. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, she was without her. 
encouragement and perspective and reminders to me constantly, I, I would have probably given up. Um, I don't think I was ever really angry at God or anything like that. I think I was just really confused and hurt. And I think I just wanted to give up and be like, this is, this is really like my, my emotions are a mess. I'm feeling rejected. Like it wasn't say screw you, God. It was more like, I just can't do this anymore. You know, that's kind of where I was. So I think my relationship with God was, it was never, it was never, yeah. Like turning my face from him, but it certainly was strained. And I didn't feel like, Matt, you should pray. I don't really want to, you know, just out of uh, apathy and, and all that. Uh, the other question you asked was discernment. How do you discern? I don't know if I have a good answer for you. I think what I've seen in my life, I'll just talk about my life and my experience. What I've seen in my life about discerning God's voice becomes so much about circumstance and the doors opening. Um, let me continue the story as I say that. Within a week of that email, I got a call from a friend who used to be a part of a church that's part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance, which if you don't know is a um, evangelical denomination, global denomination. It's fairly small comparatively, but it's we have a global presence. And he heard of a church because he was going through a transition. He was a, a youth pastor, actually a middle school pastor at the church that I grew up in that I did all his internships at. He came in sort of as I was leaving but he was a friend. He was a engineer for a while and then he moved into ministry. We should have him on the podcast sometime, but we, um, he called me and said, Hey Matt, I was, you know, I'm looking for a new, I'm looking to transition. He's like, I, I found this job at a church on Cape Cod. It's a youth and children's pastor position. He said, it's not right for me, but maybe it's right for you. And he sent me the job description. In a few days I was talking to the new England district office about it. And um, we had a great interview over the phone. And then uh, a couple months later, I was moving to the Cape to um, to have, take that position. And uh, after having been rejected for so long, I mean, it was a, a year plus of, of the search. So it wasn't like five years, but it was enough time that I was feeling feeling it. I I now have this thing that, God has opened the door to me very shortly after feeling that heavy, heavy rejection. And I was told by the district person I talked to, she was like, yeah, your resume, we were looking for a little more. Cause all I had done was like internships in school. She's like, but your interview was so great. We just had to go further with you. Mm. And that was the starting point. And that, that changed a lot of my emotions because I'm like, Oh, you, you like me. You think this is right. Like God has, God has put us together somehow, but, but now from there, it's like, oh, I, you see a value in me. Yeah. And that was huge in that moment going to the Cape. And you asked earlier, Cam, sorry, how long did I do youth ministry for between the internships and stuff? And then that position on the Cape, I was there for about four years as a youth and children's pastor since now. And now I'm not in youth ministry anymore. So Mm -hmm. anyway, just to circle back to that. But the discernment thing, for me, so much of my life and transitions have been about the circumstances. Like when I moved to Vermont, it was very much circumstantial. First, I felt this movement in my soul, like, hey, I think I'm supposed to be out of youth ministry. And then from there, uh, doors began to open and a very clear path was laid out over time uh, to make this transition to Vermont. Um so for myself, usually it's circumstance. That might start with something in my soul that says, hey, I'm dissatisfied or I want something else. Or, um, but then from there, I've been able to uh, have doors closed or opened. And then for me to and my wife, too, to say, this door is open. Let's, let's see. Pursue that. And then from there, you know, 
you kind of take the next circumstance, the next open door, or see the closed door, and then have to just kind of wait in it. But I've seen, no matter how long a door remains closed, or all doors remain closed, eventually, I've I've been able to see circumstance change or a door open that I wasn't expecting, and then just having in that moment the the boldness to say, "Hey, let's let's see what's what that door is about." Yeah, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I don't know. What about you guys? How do you how do you discern things? Yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's always so hard to put into words for me how because. I'll find myself talking in stories about, well, then we believe the Lord told us to do this or, you know, like, and, and I'm like, well, what does that mean? Like, did he split open the skies and say, Zachary, do this? Like, no, but, um, it really, I've, I've, I've reflected on this a lot. I feel like in, especially in the last 10 years, um, of, what does it mean to hear the voice of the Lord and to discern where he's guiding you? And, and, and really it comes down to trusting that he lives inside of me. (laughs) Like the, the, the Holy spirit dwells inside of me and that my, the only words I have is like gut feelings. Mostly like it's like, are not my own always. Um, and and so there's a level of discerning like what's carnal and like just my human desires versus the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me giving me these. And then there's moments where there's external people who who will say something or speak something that triggers a th- dominoes of thoughts and open doors and circumstances. And I mean, I think it's, yeah, it's a combination of of this unexplainable, but just trust that this is, that it's real, that God's real and he lives inside of me and that I can trust that partnered with the faith to walk through open doors and trust when doors are shut circumstantially that he's kind of guiding the way through life. Is it similar yeah, I mean, I don't have a good answer. That's why I asked the question. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, gosh, for me, I have no idea. I think for me, like, and and for better or for worse, like, it is a really, I don't know if this is a helpful term, and then we'll get to this, like, when we do my kind of, why am I in ministry? But it's like, for me, it's like, do the stars align? <laughs> like, like I try to like dumb it down a little bit. Like, do the stars align? Is this like what I'm supposed to be doing? And then if I don't know, I wait. I don't know if that's good or bad or indifferent, but that, like, like I don't think I have a good answer for that. Yeah. I also think too, like I, I'm kind of split in this because I've, I've seen God's providential hand just say like, go here. And I say, okay, I'll go there. But God, I need a house. Okay. Here's a house. Or I need a salary. Like, here's a salary, you know? But I've also believed that if we are making decisions, like in like that, we love Jesus and we make decisions. Like He blesses our decision making too, you know. Where it's not always the stars are always going to align, but it's like okay, I have to make a decision. If you do that as <laughs> in faith, like and trust that God is with you in your decision, like. He's usually with you in your decision. Yeah, well, that's that was like one of the most pivotal God moments I've had in my life as a young adult. I mean, probably 20, 1920 was these, this, I was agonizing over what was next. Like, do I do this internship? Do I do this internship? Do I move here? Do I stay at home? Do I like, and I just, all of it was, there were too many good options. And even when I narrowed it down to two good options, I was, I I had zero ability to, to, there were, there were no closed doors. There was no circumstances that were, were, were helping make the decision. And I, as clear as clear can be without it being like, you know, audible, the Lord one time just spoke straight to my spirit and said, 
I really don't care. <laughs> like, he's like, it doesn't matter. Pick. Just do it with me. Mm-hmm. Like, and and that's been true in my life so many times over, you know, the last 15 years after that um, is his his desire is that in whatever we're doing we do it with like with him and and it's a lot of times he the circumstances and the 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 outward expression of how we're living our lives and what we're doing in ministry even are not the most important part it's that we are like in we are our hearts are his and he is ours and we are living in that like dependent on him in whatever we're doing. Yeah. And, and so that was like really free. I'm, I'm actually super thankful for that moment at a young age where, where it was really clear. He was like, you know, it do- really doesn't matter. Like yeah. you, you can, you can go here or you can go there. As long as you go with me and you take me with you, it's all going to be good. I still also believe in this like romantic idea of vocational calling that if you are not, if God has not said to you, be in ministry as a full-time vocation or as a part-time, but like whatever, I believe God says to some of us, you are going to do this. You're going to go overseas and be a missionary. You're going to serve in your local church as a pastor. Like if, if that, if that's not part of your experience, you probably should not do that thing. Yeah. Like there are too many pastors and leaders who either get into it at the front or have it happen to them where they be bad things happen with people who aren't like genuinely called and equipped by God himself to do this. Yeah. You know? And I as hard as ministry gets sometimes, I hold on to the fact that that moment 12 years ago, 12 years ago, Wow, I just told myself I was 31. <laughs> 16 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> woo! <laughs> where God said, Matt, you are going to do this. I hold on to that dearly mm-hmm. because ministry gets really hard. You come off this pulpit from preaching a sermon, and not every time, but sometimes people come up to you and say, I disagree with what you said. And that hurts, but you hold on to that thing that God said to you or continues to say to you. And you know, like, Oh, I'm, I'm on the right path still. So why am I still in ministry? That's part of it is because that experience in my life and the affirmation that followed and the doors that have opened to get me here are undeniable. But also like, I can't do anything else. I think I mentioned this in our last episode. Like I have no other skills. I have no other skills. I can't build anything. I can't create anything. That's it. I just can't do anything else. And I think there's a reason for that because God has pigeonholed me into being a ministry. No, I, I literally like can't, there are times when I think like, Oh, I, Maybe I'll start my own business. Maybe I'll like, I've had the thought, like maybe I'll work at a brewery and just hand people beers every day because that sounds nice and easy. (laughs) But then I think about, I'm like, I can't, I don't want to do anything else. There's no other passion I have other than helping people know and love and be like Jesus. And, um, where I am today, I'm in a position where I get to do that. And, uh, it's pulling teeth a lot of time. I have a very mixed crowd in my ministry. And, uh, you know, I'm doing church, church revitalization in tandem with a very healthy church and partnering with a, an unhealthy church. And it's not easy to do that, but I know God's put me here. Like I cannot deny looking back at the doors that have opened and the place that I've come from that God has said, Matt, you're here now because I have you here now to do this. Um, so that's why I'm in ministry. It's good. Good job. That was great. And I think, I mean, just to piggyback on the, I can't do anything else. It's, it's a dual, you, you touched on it, but it's a dual meaning. I mean, 
maybe you can't do anything else. You don't have any other skills, but you also like you can't do anything else. Yeah. I mean, this I we use that language. I mean, I I said, is there anything else you can do when I was ordained? Like that was asked in my ordination like ceremony. Is there anything else you can do? Yeah, last and chance, the, bud. Yeah, like, <laughs> and the answer is no. There's yeah. nothing else I can do. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and that's like, that's the first question I've, I ask, I've heard my dad ask it way more times than I have to like young church planters and like people is like, they're like, Oh, I got this vision to do this. And, and I was like, is there any, is there anything else that you could do? Like, cause if there's something else, you should probably do that. Yeah. Um, and, and that, like, literally that's like top of the list it's like no, that's, that's great. I love that you have passion and vision, but is there anything else you could do? Because if, if you have option a b and c then you should probably pick one of those b or c um (laughs) yeah i have spent so much time and money learning how to do this thing because it's the only thing i look back at my life and it started right it started with a call but it's also a desire and a passion to be in ministry like i want to do this it's the only thing i've wanted to do enough to spend eight years of my life and a hundred and something thousand dollars being educated in how to do this, you know, like, and because I know God has had me on this. God wants me to do this. I want to do this. And I've poured my whole self into this. So I suppose if there came a moment where it was like time to do something else, I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. Like I have no idea what else I'd do. Partly because I don't know how to do anything else, but also partly because I don't want to do anything else. Right. On a very real level um so that's my story about why i'm in ministry and um i look forward to hearing your guys stories next time we'll get uh i think we'll we'll talk to one of you next time uh thanks for being here Uh, any final thoughts from you guys like i don't want to just end abruptly i feel like that was pretty abrupt i was about to go no i think you're good no that's good. good all right well fam thanks for thanks for joining us on learning to talk we're We're grateful for you. Um, Thanks for hearing my story. And uh, next time we'll talk to one of these guys about their story about why they're in ministry. Make sure you check us out on Instagram at learn to talk podcast and uh, like comment and subscribe wherever you do those things. Cam, Zach. Perfect. Peace out. See ya. See you next time. Bye. Learning to Talk podcast was produced by 6-5 Films in Burlington, Vermont. If you enjoyed our conversation, make sure you find us on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. And like, comment, subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram at Learn to Talk Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon.